When you get behind the wheel of a Toyota Highlander XSE, magical moments are always right around the corner. One second you're using all-wheel drive to climb up a steep trail on the outskirts of town, when suddenly you make it to a clearing at the very top and see a view of your side of town that takes your breath away. Wait a minute. That's our block? Mm-hmm. The west side never looks so good. Make the most of each moment with a powerfully capable Toyota SUV like the Highlander XSE. Toyota, let's go places. Hello and welcome to another episode of the GC Sunscast. This episode of the GC Sunscast is brought to you by our Patreon donors, Old Soul, Jack's Dad, Paul Vosti, Tom Kim, Chris Moore, and James Wood. If you'd like to support the show, head on over to patreon.com forward slash GC Sunscast and donate. If you can't afford the dollars, that's all right. Head on over to our Facebook, YouTube, and now Twitter at GC Sunscast and like, subscribe, and support the show. Let, the, let your friends and family know all about us. But for now, let's move on to the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of the GC Sunscast. I am your host Shane and joining me as he does each and every week, Tom. How are you, Tom? Yeah, all right, Shane. Uh, better today. Last couple of days have been a bit flat, to be honest. How about you? Yeah, look, it, it, it was a good Easter weekend to uh, have some time off from work, spend some time with the family and just catch up on some uh, bit of R&R. But the footy results didn't exactly go our way for Suns fans. Um, so let's jump into that. We've started off, we don't have too much news, but we do have some injury news that's come across our desk this afternoon. Uh, first bit is a bit of good news. Crossley has been ruled uh, ruled fit to play this weekend, so he should be back playing Nefal. Uh Provides a bit of structure for our Nefal side, and we'll get into that later with our Nefal review. Uh, Miles and Powell and Murdoch are listed as tests for this week. Miles coming back from a corky, I believe, from that Carlton game. Powell with concussion from that Carlton game. And Murdoch seemed to have hurt his hand in the game against Adelaide. However, the physiotherapists are saying it's just a bit of bruising and swelling. And if he completes training on Thursday, he'll be right to go. And then in a bit of sad news, we've got uh, Cal Archie has injured his quad in the Neeful and will miss the next four to five weeks. And also doing a quad missing another four to five weeks is Sam Fletcher, the SPP uh, product that we recruited just before the eve of the season. Uh, so I think he may have only played one and a half games for the Sun since he's come over and he's just been injured the whole time. So... Poor kid can't really catch a break, can he, Tom? No, and uh, this was in training too; it wasn't even in a game. But um, look, I think um, I think with, with Fletcher, we, we probably need need to give him quite a bit of time. I mean, I, I suggested that perhaps he'd, he'd see AFL action this year. This would suggest that no, he'll he'll um, he'll be a needful specialist, and uh, and we're playing for another contract. Really, uh, wish him all the best. Um, yeah, poor old Cal. He he really can't catch a break, can he? No, no. It uh, looks like we won't see Cal until probably after the bye. By the time he recovers from his quad injury and gets a bit of form in the kneeful, we're looking at 
you know, around 12, around 13 sort of return. And then we've got the buy, so we might not see him up until around 14, 15. Mm. Um, all right, well, that's all been happening in the Neeful sort of injury stuff. So let's talk about that Neeful game. GWS defeated the Gold Coast Suns 94 to 56. Now, there weren't any multiple goal scorers for that game. And our best on ground was Aaron Young. 38 disposals, one goal, six tackles, and five marks. Uh, Shear and Riscatelli and Schoenfeld were also dominant. And Corbett seemed to have a good game with about 20 disposals, one goal, and 10 marks. Corbett was also captaining the the team. So his second game of AFL football in Suns colours, and he's already the captain of the Neeple side. Yeah, well, he's, he's the, in the best form. Um, he's played some cracking games. He hasn't always, you know, hit the hit the scoreboard with, you know, he only get the one got the one goal. But he's playing a lot up the wings and taking just seems like he can he can outmark anybody. Um, you know, the Giants are, are a pretty handy team, and they've got a the Giants by name. And uh, in fact, they were actually Giants. They 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 were much bigger. Um, they've got a couple of absolute monsters in their in their in their two team who will be playing by the end of the year they'll be they'll be playing first grade so um yeah zach Sproul, i was very impressed by five goals and this is against the sun's defense that has a lot of tools and we, we you know uh we couldn't really find it find an answer to him because he's a dynamic forward he, he's not just a guy who relies on being tall and marking the ball He's good at that, but he's also good at finding goals from beyond 50. And that's been a bit of a problem with the NEFL team and the and the AFL team, is conceding goals from beyond 50 seems to be something we, we, we haven't, we're not that good at defending against, which, you know, to be fair, not that many teams are. No. I mean, GWS got out to a huge lead. They had about 50-point lead at half-time. Uh, the Suns sort of came back in that uh, fourth quarter with a couple of late goals to give it a more respectable total. Uh, but it wasn't a great day for a lot of the Suns, a lot of our talls in particular. Uh, Caleb Graham didn't have the best of games uh, down in the back line. Mm. Um, and Sam Day and uh, who else is there? Uh, ben King. They spent most mm. of their time down forward and obviously had limited opportunities, so they didn't feature too much. Uh, it, it was just a bit of a, a disappointing disappointing result for our defenders in the uh, Suns 2s, wasn't it? It was. I mean, look, when, when Day could get near the ball, he wasn't, he wasn't terrible. Um, he just didn't have good service and it wasn't, it wasn't going to be his kind of day. Uh, excuse the pun. Um, but Ben King, when, when he gets around the ball, and he did get a lot of the ball in the final quarter where I noticed him going and getting it, where the players were able to sort of go, the other team took the foot off big time, and they were able to sort of say, all right, well, let's see if we can just play a bit, you know, a quarter on our terms, see what happens. And they banged in five goals. So from that perspective, it was pretty good. And considering the third quarter, they really limited the opposition, but just couldn't hit the scoreboard. So there's a lot of lessons that they'll take out of that second quarter. But my overall impression of the game is that 
And I know I complained a lot about the umpiring in the AFL last week, and I haven't got the same complaint about the AFL team or, or the umpiring in that game this week, which we'll get on to. But the AFL umpiring at NEFL level tends to be, let's get a bunch of local umpires, which in Sydney they don't really have that many. And this was played at Blacktown, which probably tells you more about the result than anything. But it was played in a real Giants style, and the umpires were letting them play. So there was a lot of rough stuff. There's a lot of niggling. Their, their players are bigger, probably second and third year players in the NEFL system. We're really bullying the Suns players. And, you know, fair's fair, but I felt that there was a lot of uncalled for stuff and the whistle just wasn't getting blown. So they were going to win no matter what with going into those conditions. Um, I think it sucks a bit because the, the the willingness was there from the Suns players. But at one stage I saw um, the Giants player Sproul tackle tackle um, Caleb Graham over the sideline and then do basically do push-ups on his back. And then as he pulled away, he was holding Graham's arm right up behind his back and the, the umpires couldn't really see it. And you just saw him release it. I mean, that's that's just not good sportsmanship. They, they, they came in with a definite, definite intent to hurt the young Suns players. And I just think playing dirty isn't, isn't really... You know, it, it's not really called for. So anyway, um, not doesn't explain why why the players aren't gelling. Uh, they're going to need to play a lot of dirty games like this to be able to win games. Yeah, I only managed to watch half of the game, but from my takeaways from it, it was a very scrappy footy, and there were a lot of hack kicks forward, which eventually were just cut off by GWS defenders, and they rebounded straight away back down into their forward line. Um, I guess what we can take away from it is the Gold Coast Suns' needful midfield just isn't up to it, up to the level that their opponents are. We've lost three matches now, and we seem to be getting beat in that midfield area. Uh, It also doesn't seem like we've got too many targets down forward to hit. Now, I noticed watching the senior side the next day that um, all of our forwards have the tendency to push up the ground and that seems to be the way that uh, AFL has played these days. The forwards push all the way up around the ground to congest the ball and then look to slingshot back uh, and beat their opponents back into the forward line. But it doesn't provide a lot of opportunities for lead up targets and I think that's what really hurt with the Suns trying to get that hat kick forward. Um, They need to hold possession of the ball a bit more and then look for the the opportunity with lower the eyes and kick. Mm. Um, you could one thing you could say to that, Shane, very quickly is on the injury list you've got Powell, Crossley, Lemons, Rankin, and Archie, who could all, if they're fit and firing, could all be considered for for the first twenty-two. So it's really meant that the um, one or two of those players would just walk into the, the first grade team, and there is. The, and, and the NEFL team just isn't able to provide too much, although there is one shining light in Corbett. And I wouldn't say Day's going badly, but whatever issues he's been working through, there's a reason that he's in the NEFL, and I, I'll trust them on that. But, yeah, Corbett uh, could certainly um, could certainly be pushing for first grade. And, and that's a good sign. I mean, out of 
two forward lines that aren't really excelling, there's still depth there despite injury and despite poor form. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the coach coach's article on the Gold Coast Suns site uh, for the NEFL mentioned Day was making some good leading patterns and sort of hinted at a potential return to the senior side, whenever that may be. So mm. it seems like Day's fulfilling all the requirements that the coaches are setting him. Uh, it could only be a matter of time until we see Day back in the senior side. Uh, our, our senior forwards have sort of struggled this year. We, the In the AFL, the Suns are 18th for goals and scoring and scoring mm. efficiency inside 50. Mm. So that's certainly a, a massive area that the club needs to work on. And maybe it is a personnel change that's required, but we'll get into that later. Sure. Uh, before we finish up with the NEFL, did you have any comments regarding the academy, the under-18 players that were playing? Yeah, well, I mean, uh, for those at home, uh, the academy, the, the, there, were, there were no uh, games because there was like a, some sort of selection trial again going on. Um, Anyway, the, which was an important game, it was the it was the 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 best of the academy under eighteen. So the sort of like a draft selection trial, the earliest one. Um, and so the Suns had a number of guys. I'll just very quickly go through them: Riley Buckland. Um, I won't even bother with with first names. Actually, uh, Gore and Gilmore, McDonald, Conan, and. Crossley Jr. Um, and they all played for the NEFL team, which because they just chucked in, they they didn't gel. But those guys will all be in the NEFL team in the second half of the season. And there's a lot to look forward there. And there's a few other guys who were rested um, and they'll come back in like Butterick and um, who, we, who we got, Dawson Jr., and Joyce Junior, <laughs> so it'll um, yeah, it'll 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 come good. Oh, sorry, Joyce Junior did play in the NEFL as well, but um, there's there's a whole lot whole lot of guys in that academy team to really um, look forward to because some of them will be playing NEFL and they won't be eligible for the draft, so they'll be playing academy next year and a bit of NEFL. So our depth is is there; it's just not showing in the results for the NEFL. Yes, well, Tom, that is the whistle, and let's talk about the AFL game now. Adelaide, 119, defeated the Gold Coast Suns, 46. Now, despite a very, very contested, tight, scrappy first quarter, Adelaide managed to kick away in the second and third quarters, and they won every quarter, actually. They just kept kicking. Uh inspired by some individual brilliance from Eddie Betts and the, they basically played themselves back into form. The Crows were running off their half-back line with the same speed and intensity that they had a couple of years ago when they managed to get to the grand final. Now, from the Suns' point of view, uh, Peter Wright kicked three goals, two of them coming late in the game, uh, sort of it's probably a bit too early to tell, in my opinion, whether Peter Wright's back in form, but he certainly persisted and got reward for effort by the end of that game. And the best, according to the AFL review, was Fiorini, Handley, Miller and Murdoch. Do you have anything to add to that, Tom? 
only to to um, to say that I'm I'm very much in in Peter Wright's favour. He he did end up with the three goals early. Look early on, it was heartbreaking to watch him miss those two shots of goal. The first shot he just shanked it, and the second shot almost went in from beyond fifty. And then he's ended up the game with three goals, three. He's and then one missed altogether. Um, which meant that his disposal efficiency didn't look good. But he's taken the seven marks, had the ten hit-outs, and let's not forget the hit-outs. We were expected to absolutely smash Adelaide in the hit-outs, and whilst Witsy had his usual numbers, O'Brien had really good numbers, and there were just heaps and heaps of stoppages. And they tied out Wits. So, and they, I mean, Wright had six hit-outs in the first quarter. So they tied out both our big boys, and um, that was part of their strategy. Uh, so I will say Wits, you know, uh, sorry, Wright, he is he is playing really well, but he, he, he can't continue to do both jobs. I think we need to get someone in to get do that chop-out stuff and leave him to kick five or six goals because we prefer goals to half a dozen chop-out hit-outs, what do you reckon? We certainly do prefer goals, but... The the midfield just sort of... They didn't cut it to me, this game. Uh, I will take this opportunity to talk something positive about the win. And that's my what a performance moment of the week. Lucky Weller, what a performance! And that what a performance moment is the intensity the Suns produced in that entire first quarter. I was watching the game... Now, at first, I'm thinking, this is a really scrappy-looking game. It's not going to be up to much. But after watching more closely the way the players were moving, the intensity they were bringing to the game, and I got a better understanding of what they were doing, and I was actually quite impressed. For the first time in the Suns' history, I thought they defended defensively. The whole mindset, the whole package, was the best they've ever produced. Um... I mean, this was an, an Adelaide side that was full of scoring potential, looking to get on the board, and the Suns were able to just withdraw, uh, withstand the pressure and rebound and hold the ball up and not let Adelaide use their weapons. However, you know, it, it only lasted one quarter, but for a quarter of this game, I was very happy to call myself self a Suns supporter, and I was thoroughly impressed with that intensity and performance. Yeah, I think maybe a quarter and a half would be generous. Looking at the scoring worm, the Suns, I mean, letting in that goal just before quarter time was tough. And then Fiorini kicked a great goal to even things up. And then maybe, let's say, a quarter and a third. (laughs) Um, Look, when when they just went away with it, with, with those those five goals unanswered in the second quarter, it was just game over. But, I mean, you know, you hoped that they could come back, but then, you know, three quick goals in the... In, you know, I mean, there was literally eight unanswered goals up up till... Between, from, from the sort of 10-minute mark of the second quarter to the 10-minute mark of the third quarter, and that's really game over. And after that, the Suns actually started kicking a few goals. So, you know... What do you say? We've played well for probably more than just that one quarter. 
but no no result because again in the fourth quarter when the Crows kicked those four unanswered goals, it seemed like we could go goal for goal for goal with them for a while. <sighs> what about Eddie Betts? Yeah, it's hard to stop him being a former Crow supporter. I I, I do enjoy watching Eddie, but there was a bit of pain every time he kicked a goal watch in this game. Um, Harbs wasn't bad. Harbrow wasn't bad. No, played... it's just Eddie Betts was too good and took every opportunity. Uh, I'm pretty sure one of the goals he kicked was a goal of the week nomination. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, there couldn't be much that Harbs done. He tried to fist the ball out of bounds. It didn't go yeah. out. Eddie kept it in. And <laughs> within seconds of that happening, he'd kicked the goal. Uh, yeah. From an impossible angle, but the other thing, the other thing to, to mention with that is that with with Harbs playing a, a good, a decent defensive game, and still just Eddie just being irresistible, it took Harbrow out of the game because he was concentrating on his opponent too much, and that's that's a level of respect from a good player on our team to a great player on their team. Yeah, it is. Um... And with Harbs having that responsibility, it seemed like Hanley and Murdoch had to pick up the slack and provide that rebound. So yeah. I was really quite impressed with Hanley's performance. I thought it's one of the better, better games he's played in Sun's colours. Yeah. And Murdoch as well stood out to me as one of our better players for the day uh, and battled on despite having a, a hand injury for about half of that game. Yeah, well, when, when I saw him on the bench then I knew we had no chance of coming back, even though it was a it was a big call to suggest that we might come back from 45 down. I stopped looking at the scoreline when I saw him on the bench. I know he did come back, and that and that, that makes me think he'll play this week. But um, Murdoch is is emerging as a you know, must-have in our team. Um, he's played a big part in our wins, and you know, even though we weren't really in it after half time, he was he was tremendous. Um, I, I think for the first time with Murdoch, we saw him really believe in himself that he is a part of the team and that he can do things for himself. And and still, you know, I, I feel like he's just been a little bit cautious and didn't want to stuff up. And and now he's playing with a freer hand and he's free to fail. And he's going to make some stuff ups because everyone does. But, um, no, I, I thought he had a great game. Yeah, well, that's understandable coming to a new team. It, it must be fairly daunting, despite, you know, it being the Suns and not being a world beater. But uh, I think you start to see that Murdoch's now getting that confidence, uh, not, that just he, not just that he's a part of the team, but that he's... Your car doesn't get much of a summer break. Bugs, UV rays, and pollen can all cause damage. Stay protected at WetGo with WeatherShield and a free month of unlimited washes. Just purchase your first month of WetGo Go Unlimited and your second month is free. Wash as many times as you want. And when you choose our all-weather or showroom pass featuring WeatherShield, you'll say bye-bye to bugs all summer long. Sign up today at getgocafe.com unlimited. An important part of the side, one of our, one of our better players and performs a, a valuable role. So that, that's really pleasing to see. Uh, let's just touch on a couple of the other performances. Um, Brody. Now, there was a lot of criticism of Will Brody 
and I have been one of the first people to say that he needs to bide his time in his NEFL and NEFL form doesn't equate to AFL form. But just, I thought Brody was impressive with what he did. His stats looked good. He had 23 disposals, um, 7 tackles, 21 pressure acts, and operated at 69% disposal efficiency. Mm, so, four clearances, too, yeah, which the, is important. The pressure acts there show that he was working hard both ways. Um you know, same with the tackles and the disposals. He, you know, he got the ball. We all know he's a bit of a ball magnet. The only question I have is on how he used the ball. So many times during that game, if he went to kick it, it was pretty much a 50-50 call on whether it was going to hit one of our opponents or one of our players. Um, so I think Brody's best off when he's just using his hands. He's got great hand skills. Um, he does look a little bit slow. I can't get the image of him being run down as he was running into the, the forward 50. Mm. I think it was in that third quarter. Um, you know, it, it's just not a good look to see any player get run down like that. Nah, it, it, I mean, the pace the pace of the game was quite fast for him, which I think is probably true for half a dozen of the Suns players at the moment. Um the best Suns players are playing at elite level or borderline elite level, and the, there's there's a half a dozen guys who the game's still too fast for them, and you can't you can't really knock Brody for coming in for his first game of the year against the by far the best opponent we've faced, whose backs were really against the wall. They they were they were they, they weren't going to walk out of there one and four because for them it was a mini grand final. For us it was you know. Freedom to fail. If we lose, we've still got a positive margin. We're still going to be in touch with the aid. Um, no one expected us to win, this and that. We, we went in with all the excuses ready, and I feel like we didn't want to go in with that. So the, the team played really, really, really well, but we're coming out of it looking at it going, oh, well, we're, we're better than that, aren't we? Yeah. And I, I think there's a, a few people who've got to answer. Yeah. Well, I want to touch on Brody a bit more later, but... Uh, were there any uh, analysis critiques you could make regarding that game? I thought we did well in the first quarter with our defensive mindset, mm. but then our uh, half-forwards weren't uh, defensive enough later in the game, allowing the Adelaide half-backs to get that run and momentum. Uh, Brody Smith really kick-started it for the Crows, and... Yeah, it just sort of followed through and created too much pressure for our defence to keep it up. Well, let's let's not forget Brody Smith was playing his one fiftieth, so he and Hanley both played up to the occasion. They both would have had family and friends. I know Hanley's family came over, not all his family. And that video, of course, was I think mean, everyone had a bit of a bit of a, a tear in the eye, um, and it and it really shows that you know, I mean. He's not even from this country. Uh, he misses his family. They've had a massive tragedy not very long ago. Um, I said early, earlier in the year that I felt like he was being affected by that, and now I know I was right. Um, but I think that in this case, it made him play better. Getting back to the Crows, the Crouch, but I couldn't tell the difference between the two of them. They were both really, really good. Um, Brad apparently is better at contested possessions. Matt is better at 
uh, disposal efficiency. Um, they both got thirty six touches. They were both in the in the, in the Crows' best players. Um, they they just seem to be able to get that last hand pass connected to someone in the clear, and yet we couldn't quite get that third or fourth or fifth or sixth connection going. We, we're getting chains started and not finished. And, um, and credit to, to the Crows, because they just didn't give up. The, you know, the Suns were right into them. Like, there's no doubting that talent-wise, the teams were very well matched. But experience-wise and, and just mental toughness, the Crows had it all over us because... You know they're, they're playing. They're still in their grand final window. They're in a premiership window. It's less than two years since they played in the grand final last. They didn't have a terrible season last year. They just had a couple of regrettable losses, and it meant they didn't play finals. But they were certainly. I, I feel they were top five last year and just unlucky. Um, the one other thing that I will say, obviously, you know, bets is, is, is an obvious one, but the entire Adelaide forward line were superior to the Suns' back line. And that's not saying that the Suns' back line is bad. It's just saying, well, it's already not as good as it could be with Thompson out for the year. And when you when you take out Harbs with, with, with his kind of marking a player and then that player kicks six goals, well, you're on a hiding to nothing. Tex Walker's had a rubbish year and he had a brilliant game. Um you know, it, when, you, when you've when you got 150-gamer Smith banging goals in from outside 50, uh, I don't know. They're they very impressive, aren't they? They were, and it sort of now begs the question for Gold Coast Suns fans, was this just an anomaly coming up against a team that is finals-quality football players with their backs against the wall? Or... Is this a sign of the Suns that we, we've grown to know over the last few years and falling into old habits? Uh, so that makes our next discussion topic, the Q Clash, a almost like a mini grand final, isn't it? Yeah, I'll, so I'll come out and say that. I'm normally not particularly in favour of, of that particular terminology, but in this case it is. Because for the for, for as much for the Lions as for the Suns, so you've got the, the the Lions start out three wins straight, and then they've had two pretty bad losses, and this is a Q clash, so they've got double the reason to turn up, and the Suns probably had a better start, even though losing that first game, and then this has suddenly. You know, there's there's a lot of reflection going on right now about what has to change. What this is going to sound a bit mean, but I think I think the I think Brisbane are probably like Adelaide Crows B, if you know what I mean. Like they they play a similar style, but just not as well. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. Um, they're a very fast side, and we saw the best of Brisbane in their first couple of rounds. However, when they were brought into the contest in the last two weeks, they've really come back down to a thud with the opposition side being more contested footy-based and not allowing Brisbane that run because it was played in close. Um, 
it really put Brisbane on the back foot and they weren't really able to play their game style in the last two weeks. And good news for Suns fans is that's really the sort of game style that has been suiting the Suns this year. Mm. We've seen a lot of contested footy. In fact, I think I saw some stats that the Suns are not first. I think we're around second or third in the AFL this year for contested footy. And um, uh, I can't remember what the other stat was, but it's along those lines. Contested footy, hit-outs, stoppages, The Suns are up there. That's the way they like to play. And besides the Adelaide game, the Suns have been very, very restrictive with their scoring. And if that comes to fruition against the Lions, then I think we've got a massive game on our hands and it's going to go down to probably another another, uh, heart stopper for Suns fans. Mm. Hopefully, hopefully we'll be on the right side this time. In, in in the in the Q clashes, um, the other guy who plays really well in Q clashes is Tuke Miller, and the the only guy who plays better than either of those two in Q clashes is Dane Beams, and he's not playing anymore. So, I think we've got a couple of weapons there. Miller's just in terrific form, and and Hanley showed that you know twenty nine possessions, and uh, I haven't seen the meters gained, but. He was just running with the football and using it well. Eleven rebound fifties, you know, like that's just incredible football, and it's against his old team. Okay, so the Lions have won nine Q clashes. The Suns have won six. We're three behind, and the Suns have an opportunity now to sort of wrestle that momentum back. Uh, I think you said to me pre-show that. But there's been an extra two Q clashes played at the Gabba. Mm-hmm. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. So the it's mainly been played on Brisbane's home turf. We've actually managed to win quite a few of those up there. Unfortunately, Brisbane's been able to win a, a number of Q clashes down here at Metricon. But the stage is set with both sides coming off terrible losses despite strong starts to the season. This Q clash has all the ingredients, all the puzzle pieces coming together to create a Q clash, which will define Q clashes for the rest of history. Uh, I mean, let's just look back at some of the the great Q clash moments. My personal favourite was Q clash one. The Suns won by eight points. Nathan Cracker kicked five goals, took a specky on the wing in front of me. And uh, Jared Brennan, ex-Brisbane Lion, uh, won the Ashcroft medal for the Suns. (laughs) <laughs> so and and that that really would have hurt Brisbane and we saw that in several Q clashes later the Lions came out and they didn't give the Suns any chance right from the start it was belt into them they had the senior bodies of Simon Black and Jonathan Brown back then really take it up and make sure the game was won for the Lions uh, fast forward to Q clash 11 uh, the Suns are finally starting to get a bit of form as uh, our our bodies mature and we become playing some good consistent football and Stephen May takes out Steph Martin in a bump in the middle of the ground uh, I still think it was a legitimate bump it was just a bit unlucky uh, Gaz, Gaz pushed Martin so can't forget Gaz's role in, in, in giving, giving Steph Martin a bit of a push which kind of made him stumble a bit but, but um, 
But once again, it provided the spark to rally up the Brisbane supporters and fans and players and give them a reason to dislike Gold Coast Suns even more. It also it also ended the Suns' season because up to that point, we were undefeated and leading that game. Yeah. <laughs> and we lost <laughs> and didn't win another one whilst May was suspended. So. And, then, uh, and then we've got the Q Clash 15 and 16. So the two Q Clashes last year. Now, this mm. is probably the first Q Clashes that have come down to actually give Sun supporters a reason to dislike the Lions. We had the famous Miller versus Zorko poor sportsmanship encounters. You know, Miller mm. absolutely towed up Zorko in the in Q Clash 15 last year to the point where Zorko, you know, was dirty on himself and dirty on the team and dirty on everyone and just refused to shake Miller's hand. Yeah, and, that was disgusting. And watching the footage, you know, you've got scenes of Zorko sort of uh, waving his hand in front of his nose like something stinks around Took Miller and, you know, that's just very poor sportsmanship. It's it's not very friendly. It's, I mean, f- there's no place for friendliness on an AFL footy field, but it, it just didn't sit well with... A lot of people. And Look, I, I was astounded when they made Zorko captain later on in the season. And I've got a lot of Lions friends. They're not as good of friends as they used to be but <laughs> since I've come over to the Suns. But, um, they, you know, those friends were on, on social media saying, you know, who should be the next captain? And I just went, pick anyone. Just don't make it Zorko. He's just, he doesn't have, he's not a classy guy. And his Achilles heel is the Suns because he's he's a goal coaster, and and we just shunned him. We didn't we didn't believe that he was going to make the top grade. Probably an error, if you think about it, on Suns recruiters. But there was also there was there was a technicality involved at the time, wasn't there? Where the Suns kind of had to trade on certain players and blah blah blah. But yeah, anyway, it was. But um, I mean, there, there's a lot more recruiting issues Suns fans could have with the recruiters back in that era than Dane oh, Zorko. I, um, I wouldn't want. I, I wouldn't want him. He's shown his true colours. Mo- moving um, on. He, he, somebody, somebody made a great point about Zorko, and they said that he's he's a man in, in in fear of his own football mortality because let's face it, he's the wrong side of thirty, and as soon as he stops playing at this level, he's going to be playing Neefel for a long time. Well, moving on, you know, Q Clash 16 saw the return of Miller and Zorko, and this time the the uh, boot was on the other foot, as they say. The Lions got up in a thriller, and uh, Zorko sort of went a bit overboard, you know, consistently trying to shake Took's hand, and <laughs> it's not like Took was refusing to shake his hand. He shook his hand, but then Zorko kept going back and kept going back, and God knows what he was saying on the field but it was an yeah. incredibly poor look for for Zorko, and he publicly came out apologising for his behaviour. You know, afterwards, uh, not only that, we had Nick Robertson, a no-name player up at the Suns, criticising the Suns for being soft. Uh, so there's really a bit of spice here now, and the Gold Coast Suns have the opportunity now to really, really give it back to the Lions. And not just the Suns players, but the Suns fans as well. You know, uh, a game at Metricon, Saturday day, it's probably not the best time for a lot of people with uh, school uh, sports on for a lot of pe- kids and stuff like that. But one forty-five Saturday, this is an opportunity to sell out Metricon. 
we're going to have line supporters coming down. I imagine it would be similar to what it is for a Sun supporter, how we get uh, free access to the GABA Q clash. I would think they would have access to the Metricon Q clash. Mm. So there's really no excuses for it to not be a sellout. Let's it's, ho- it's, let's not a, that- it's not a long journey. I, I can see the GABA from where I'm sitting right now. And I, it, it, I, I come down for every game. It's uh, it's only a hop, skip, and a jump, really. Um, just down to the local train station, the, the South Brisbane um, is direct in the ring. Takes an hour, and then you just wait for a, a, a find one of your mates in the queue, as it were, and then and then uh, jump on a, on a on a on a shuttle bus to Metricon. You, you feel the atmosphere building as you see Suns fans getting on the train. It's a really it's a it's a really good day out for for Brisbane people. Uh, not that I expect that that many of them will be listening, uh, and if they were, they're probably not anymore <laughs> after my Zorko rant. Um, I will I will say this: I'm I'm bloody looking forward to this game. Um, it's it, it it's it, you're right. It's the biggest it's the biggest Q clash ever. Um, the two teams are just really really closely. Matched. I want to say one thing about that that second Q Clash last year, Q Clash sixteen. There was one thing the Suns won. Do you, Do you remember what that was? No. The Lucocious Rankin Cup. <laughs> because if we hadn't have lost that game, we wouldn't have got Lucocious or Rankin. Not that I want us would what would have wanted us to tank it. But that was just – if we had won that game, we would have finished two spots higher up the ladder and ended up with selections four and five, which would have been two very different players to Lukosius and Rankin. So the consolation prize was finishing second last. Yeah. Well, this is a discussion it, we'll have to have for another time, Tom, because we yeah, both we differ some... very much here. You're very much about the kids and the talent uh, bringing up and coming through, nurturing that talent. I'm more about just getting the immediate result right here, right now. And we'll get into that in a sec with our quick ins and outs. But just one message I want to put out. We know Gold Coast Suns uh, officials and club members do occasionally listen to this podcast. And I just want to throw something back to them that this is a mini grand final and the boys need to get up to it. And we've been hearing challenge accepted all year as the motto. This time, it's a challenge accepted back at the Suns. It's a mini grand final. We need you guys to stand up. Challenge accepted. Okay, now let's get into the ins and outs. We've got... I'm getting strong whispers coming through that Corbett is uh, an in. And Powell, if he passes his uh, concussion stuff, he's seeing a specialist at the moment in Melbourne. Uh, He's likely to come in. We also have Miles. It's a test. You would think he should be coming in as well. And then you've also got Aaron Young with uh, 38 disposals in the NEFL coming in. Uh, so that's four players that are serious contenders to come in. But the question is, who goes out? Mm, you've got, I'd same day you've the got about two minutes at the most, Tom. So tell yeah. me who you think goes out. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, look. I, I love him, and I think he'll be a star for us. But I think uh, Chris, the Chris Burgess experiment at, in the forward line hasn't quite worked out for us as well as if we could get, say, perhaps Corbett 
in there to try something a little bit different. Um, I think Burgess needs to go back and work on his defence and 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 um, and he'll emerge in that group when he comes back to AFL. What do you think? Yeah, I think Burgess uh, probably needs to get a bit more confidence. So if he goes back to the NEFL and works hard on kicking a bag of goals, allow Corbett a game or two to find his feet in AFL level, see if he can deal with that. Um, I think that's a no-brainer. The hard bit comes down to finding a spot for the midfielders, Powell, Miles, and Young. Now, Young would be a great repla- uh, replacement for Lukosius, uh, playing that sort of half-forward midfield role. Uh, mm. You could also argue Powell sits into that mould as well. The big argument is going to be Miles coming into the side because he's going to have to essentially delist Brody out of that, that 18 or 22 because we mm. just can't carry that many slow, mid-paced midfielders, um, which would be a shame for Brody. He put in a decent game despite my knocks on his kicking. Um, mm. But then at the same time, I, I think we need to go with senior experience. We need to bring in the senior body, which is Miles. Yeah, look, I'm not going to single out any any, any single player here. Uh, I'll name a few who, who could go. Um, it's not going to be Bose, although looking at his raw stats, he, he could be. But he, he has special roles, so uh, he's he's safe. You mentioned Holland Smith as safe earlier on, and I don't know if he's that safe because I, I just don't think he's playing at 100%. Um, so if Miles was coming in, it could be for one of those guys. One other player I'll mention who ha- hasn't quite been as safe is Jesse Joyce. That That's all I'll say. Whatever team they pick, it'll be great. Yeah. All right, well, that's it for now. We haven't had time to do our, our 3 2 ones from that first that game against Adelaide, but we'll post that up on the Facebook. Uh, but now it's time for us to go. Thanks for listening and tuning in. Go Suns! Go Suns! If you've ever been a renter, you know it's stressful to find a place with everything you love and nothing you don't. But did you know Zillow does rentals? It makes the search so easy. They have filters for pretty much everything, so you can find that place that's in your budget, but also isn't a shoebox. Or a place that's close to your parents, but far enough they have to call first. Plus, it's easy to apply, request tours, and pay rent in the app. Head to ZillowRentals.com and find your sweet spot. Your AC works overtime all summer, so be sure to replace your old air filters with new Filtry air filters. They recommend updating HVAC filters at least every three months all year round. So order your Filtry air filters today at Filtry.com. Let's clear the air.